scripture memory verse tonight, Mark 7, 6, and 7, he answered and said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written with your, uh-oh, my brain went dead. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandment of men. Mark 7, 6, and 7. Amen. That's a hard one. <laughs> it is. It's a hard one. Anybody else? And you didn't even quote from the New King James. You quoted the King James. No, it was the New King. Oh, was it? Maybe verse 6 was, because it read a little bit differently. But Are you going to be doing it? Verse 7, no. Look. You want to read it to us out of the King James? Okay. Uh, Mark uh, 7, 6, and 7. He answered and said unto them, Well, hath the Esaias prophesied, of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Matthew, or Mark 7, 6 and 7. Thanks, Ray. Anybody You're else? Welcome. Mark 7, 6 and 7. Answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, These people, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Mark 7, 6, and 7. And for those who don't know who Esaias is, it's Isaiah. Uh, it, in Hebrew, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, it's Greek. Uh, Anybody else? Good job, honey. Anybody else? Well, let's look at this. Um, again, quoting from um, Isaiah 29, 13. We're not going to go there. I'd give you that as homework to go read Isaiah 29, all of it. It's a really good read. The reason I don't want to go there is because this is quoted from, it's almost the same, but it's quoted and brought forward, uh -huh. probably translated out of the Septuagint. If you remember, the Septuagint, is, is they took the Hebrew and they, and they brought it in, or excuse me, they took the 
uh, uh, yeah, the Hebrew and brought it into Greek. And so it changes it a little bit, but it's really, really close. It means the same thing. And what we really want to see is what Jesus wants to talk about uh, is what we're always talking about. The church doesn't want to talk about it today, but it's really about sanctification. It's really about inner purity. It's really about not just pretending and acting on the outside. There's so much of the church today, I call it culturanity, that all they do is they say, well, I said a prayer, so I'm fine. Well, and then they dress up and they go to church or they do whatever their church does out on Sundays or Wednesdays, and they pretend and they just act like the rest of the Christians, but they don't get into the word prayer and fellowship. They don't read the word of God. They don't build a relationship with God. They don't allow the Holy Spirit to lead them and wash them and cleanse them and change the inside. And so that's why he's calling them hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah, well, I guess I should say, back up a minute, Jesus didn't call him a hypocrite. He said, well, did Isaiah prophesy uh, of you hypocrites? So, in a sense, he's calling them hypocrites. And a, and a hypocrite is, is a pretender. It's one who acts. They actually got the, uh, the, 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 um, the word from the play actors, which is, uh, you know, the mask. And I've talked about this many times. You've seen those masks. They're on little sticks. And you can go like this and put a mask on, or you go like this, or the other hand, you can grab several masks, and, and you only need a couple of actors in the entire play to keep putting on masks and doing the parts. And so that's what he's talking about. On the outside, it looks like uh, you're doing it. You're, you're, you're honoring me with your lips, which is it's, it's the face. It's the mouth. It's the front of it. They're saying the right things. They, they, they talk about, oh, praise the Lord. Oh, we praise you, Lord, and we sing songs on Sunday. But the inside, the heart is far from him because like the, the heart isn't road. delivered uh -huh. over to him. See, and it's so important that we understand that it's the heart that Jesus wants. It's the heart that goes astray. It's the heart where we speak from. And this is what he wants to talk about. He wants to talk about, if he's given a title, it be inner purity. See, because the first leg of the race, it's a three-legged race that we're running, or, or a three-part race. There's, there's, a, there's salvation, sanctification, and then glorification. And we talk about this all the time. So when you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's the salvation when you believe. Uh, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, positionally, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, which is the, the other part. So here we go. Positionally, people might be saved, but you don't have the evidence unless you see them allowing their heart to change. Notice what's going on in the news today. What's going on in the news today? The devil knows full well what he wants to do. He wants to train the heart. The devil wants your heart, so he lies on the news. He keeps telling you what you have to believe on the news. He keeps forcing it down your throat, the lies and the lies and the lies. Instead of And so really, listen, when you come to salvation, you have to change the way you think because you've been trained by the devil. So you have to stop thinking the way you've always thought, believing the things you've always believed. You have to go, wait a minute, Lord, what is truth look like? Then you get into the word and you find out what truth is. And then when you obey the truth and you hear the truth and you want to follow the truth, it comes into your heart.
but it's something that continues to do. You come as a little child. You come and learn again. You say, Abba, Father, because you've been adopted into his family. And he begins to teach you what truth is. And it changes your heart. But there has to be this washing and cleansing. There has to be washing and cleansing. And then the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12 um, that the word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So when you get into the word of God, it's going to tell you the intent of your heart. See, because this instruction right here, this is instruction. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is God-breathed. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped, ready for every good work. Now, I give you a bunch of scripture, right? Because this is instruction. It tells you the intent of your heart. And it wants you to understand the intent of the instruction also. In other words, when God said his word, when he writes his word down, when he spoke the law, there was an intent behind the instruction. Anybody know what the intent was? To change your heart. See, our hearts have gone astray. Everything about the word of God, the instruction of God, is to correct the heart. Jesus came and died to correct the life, to correct the soul. You get positional salvation when you believe. Now, if you really believe, you need to be practically changed on the inside. Because now you're starting to follow. So now, God spoke his instruction, but what did he say? And the, the devil and everybody else wants to confuse that. But you are called to have a personal love relationship with the scriptures, with God Almighty, and sit down and read it, and let it go in and divide the bone and the marrow, the soul and the spirit, and then it will tell you the thoughts and intents of your heart and God's heart, and it's relayed through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the heart of God. We want to be like God. We were formed in the image of God. The devil snuck in, and now we were born, and we're the, we're the image of the devil in our hearts. Salvation brings us back positionally to the image of God, but not practically. Practically, we have to stop following the devil. Stop following the world. Stop believing the lie. You have this saturation of lies. Everything that's coming in, and we call it death culture. That's what I call it anyway, because what's it doing? The devil wants to kill God's word. Did God really say? That's what he said to Eve. Did God really say, thou shalt not eat of every tree of the garden, or you shall surely die? Listen to me. So God, God gives us instruction. He gives us intent, and he wants us to learn that instruction and then change the intent of our heart. And Jesus gives us the power to do that when he gives us positional. And then the Holy Spirit comes in and gives us the power to walk out the intent of the instruction. But you have to get before him. You can't just listen to me. You can't just listen to, to some other pastor. You can't just listen to the radio. You have to get before the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit tells you the instruction and what it was intended for. 
And so here, man has made up their religion. And we're going to go back to verse 1. We'll go through the whole thing. We'll look at it. Man has made up their religion. They changed the intent of God's word and now came up with their own instruction. And they were, they were coming and blaming them for not doing what God had originally said. When in fact, they had changed what God said. It's a trick of the devil. That's why we need to get back to the word of God not to somebody's book, not to somebody's video, not to, to something that somebody said, but a personal love relationship with God. It's real. And you're listening for his voice. And the Holy Spirit is telling you what he said in his instruction manual. And then what's the intent for me, Lord? And then you begin to obey the intent of what he says. And then you become back into the image of God. And, and actually, James says, James says um, in 121, lay aside all, laying aside all wickedness. You know what the verse is? Laying aside all, my fault. Let's see, I've got it right here. Uh, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. There's nothing wrong with the law. It's perfect. There's nothing wrong with the word of God. It's perfect. It's able to save your soul. The problem comes in with you and me listening to the wrong voice. Following the wrong instruction. Having the wrong intent about what's going on. And God's not hiding. He's right here wanting us to listen to his instruction. He says, my sheep... Hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. So the problem is with our free will. The problem is, is what we're chasing and we want to hear the voice and fit into the crowd and do what the rest of the world is doing. But God says, no, 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 no. Come here and get alone with me and learn what I'm saying because it's my voice that's going to lead you, lead you out of this burning house and safely into heaven. So nobody's going to have an excuse when we get to the throne room and say, well, my pastor said, or so-and-so said, or the book I read said. Listen, there's instruction. It can reveal the intent that God had and the intent of your heart. And then it also can conform you into the image of God if you receive with meekness the implanted word. It gets implanted in your heart and it begins to grow and, and it's Christ-like because he is the word of God. So let's look back. I'm sorry if I, if I confused you, but that was not my intent. <clears throat> my intent is to help you understand that no matter how much I say, no matter how much the preacher says, no matter how much the radio says, no matter how much man says, if you're not listening to the voice of God, you're still lost. Listen to me, you're lost because you want to come and find God's voice. You want to have a personal love relationship. He is the one who died for you, not Greg. He's the one who died for you, not the newscaster. He's the one that died for you and will lead you out of this world, not some Bible study leader. All that we can do is instruct you on where to go, where to look, and then you follow as we follow. But if we're not following, you follow God. But there's a lot of other voices out there. 
That's why you have to study the Word of God and look into the Word of God to find out what's going on. So 7-1, and let's look at some context and get some, get some uh, things to understand. See, man loves religion, and that's what, this is what you have to understand. Man loves religion. Man loves pomp and prestige and power, and they want, they want to, to rule over you. And that's what we see now with this final government coming in. It wants to rule over us. It doesn't care what it actually gets at the end, but it's going to have power over us. It's going to control us. They're trying to destroy everything so that you have to look to them for help. Listen, look to God for help. Don't look to man for help. Man is going to fail you. Man will fail you. So then the Pharisees, it's 7-1 of Mark, and some of the scribes, so the Pharisees were... were um, part of the Sanhedrin is made up of 70 uh, Pharisees and Sadducees. Pharisees believed in resurrection. They believed in angels. They believed in the whole of the Old Testament Bible. Uh, the Sadducees believed in uh, uh, they were mafia. They believed in making business. They, didn't, they believed in the first five books and they didn't even follow it. The, the, the Pentateuch but they didn't even follow it. Uh, and they believed that there was no resurrection. There was no angels. And all they wanted was power. They wanted to create fear on people. Now, these people are ruling as religious authorities. The scribes, Ezra was a scribe. I think we just read Ezra not too long ago, didn't we? Ezra was a scribe, one of the first scribes you're going to see. And a scribe was an interpreter of the law. So a scribe would come in, and the law being the Bible, the Old Testament, uh, they would come and interpret it for them. There's kind of like a secretary, but they would interpret it. So these... Uh, there's this delegation that comes, made up of Pharisees and scribes. They, they, they come together to Jesus, to him, having come from Jerusalem. So we know where they came from. They're probably sent by the Sanhedrin. They're going to question him. They want to accuse him. They're trying to prove that he's not the Messiah. They're upset because everybody's following Jesus, and they're stopping listening to them. You lost? No. You okay? Because I go fast. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm just trying to remember some of these slides. She knows she's worse that. They're probably sent by the Sanhedrin. Now, when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. They blamed them. Now, notice, that, notice what happened there. Defiled hands is what they called it. But the Holy Spirit corrected it. Mark corrected it and said, with unwashed hands. Just pay attention because we're going to see that they were looking at their hands eating. And they wanted them to have good manners, which is what we see in our world today. If you put on a suit, you dress up nice, you wash your hands, you say thank you and excuse me. Then they act like you're saved and you're not really saved. That's got nothing to do. That's man's religion. That's man's a plumb line. That's man's instruction. It has nothing to do with salvation because you're mannerly or you understand how to say a sentence correctly or you understand what man has made in this world and set it up as boundaries where if you walk in them, now you're educated, you're important, you're pompous. I mean, those things have nothing to do with godliness. I'm not saying you shouldn't wash your hands before you eat. 
I'm not saying that you shouldn't get an education. I'm saying they have nothing to do with godliness. That's what we have to understand because in our churches today and in our world today, we act like those are the only people that have PhDs behind their name that are allowed to instruct. Even if you turn on the news, they're saying, well, that's not what the science says. So you have to listen to a scientist and that same scientist will tell you about climate change. It'll tell you about the economy, but they cannot define a woman because they're killing God. They want to kill God. God tells you what a woman is. He created a male and female. There's no, there's no, there's no uh, confusion there. There's a male and a female. There's no confusion. We know that, that a male has a penis. We know that a woman that does not have one. But if you Some ask them, <laughs> but if you ask them today, they say, "Well, a, a, a woman can have a penis, or uh, can have a penis." I, and you might think. This is a Bible study. Well, we have to talk about real stuff. We have to understand that there's lies going on, confusions going on. Babylon is rising, and they want to change your heart and your mind, and they want you to follow them. And God says, listen to my voice. I have not changed. I'm the Holy One of Israel. I do not change. Nothing about God has ever changed. In the world today, it's moving so fast, but guess what? What the Christian is called to do, how the Christian is called to live, how we are called to be in the Word and tell others about Jesus is not changed. Our mandates have not changed. We have to wake up because Christians are starting to join the world and think that it's good instruction. And what it does is it changes their mind and their heart and it changes what's going on inside them. When you get their instruction instead of God's instruction, it changes who you are on the inside. You can pretend to be a Christian on the outside, but who you are in your heart is what's important to God. That's what he's after. The heart is the most important thing. How do I know? Because he sent his heart down in his son. And he wants us to be like his heart. So here comes these people. They want to question him. They found fault with his disciples for eating bread. Listen, we're talking about spiritual things here. We're talking about salvation. We're talking about heaven and hell. And people want to sit around and be legalistic and say, you didn't wash your hands and you're eating that bread. Listen to me. Those germs are not going to send you to hell if you die. But how you treat other people will. How you treat God's instruction and the intent of God's instruction will send you straight to hell. If you get the wrong instruction and the wrong intent in your heart of what God wants to do. He is here to save the lost. Not to badger the lost. Not to confuse the lost. Not to run off the lost. Not to make them have good manners. He's here to wash and cleanse them with his blood. And that's why they crucified him, because they were more concerned about washing hands than washing their soul. That's why the world right now today is apostate. The church is apostate because it's more concerned about clean stained glass windows than it is about the soul of man. And I don't mean emphatically, but most of the church is more worried about dress codes and money than they are about the soul of mankind. And God was worried about the soul of mankind. 
So notice they defiled. Let's look at a couple of these. Uh, it says they eat bread uh, with defiled. Defiled means uh, uh, common or shared by all or cer ceremonially profane, unclean, unholy. So they blamed them. They found fault to blame. They were to blame. Now watch, watch who they're really going to blame. Watch what the devil always wants to do is he wants to blame God. He wants to blame Jesus. He wants to blame somebody else. He wants people to be a victim instead of be an overcomer. He wants you to always think that there's something wrong instead of going and tell people that there's something right. Jesus came and died for you. And you can have a right life because of him. And you don't have to buy into all of this lie. Because this is all a lie. It's smoke and mirrors. Has been since the garden. And it gets worse every day. It's not going to get better. Verse 3. For the Pharisees, notice this, not, not God. Notice the commentary that Mark gave us. It doesn't say, for God washed his hands before he ate bread. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say, for God wrote in the Bible somewhere, for it is written, wash your hands before you eat bread. Notice it never says that. Mark says, for the Pharisees, this is their standard, not God's, and all the Jews, and I think it means the devout Jews that thought they were somebody, did not eat unless they washed their hands in a special way. See that? It's special. I wish I was special. In a special way. And, and it says in the King James, except they wash their hands off. Uh, holding the tradition of the elders. Notice it's, it's transmitted through the elders, not from God. The scribes looked at the Old Testament. They look at Leviticus 11. They look at things of uncleanness, and they translated it that you have to do this. So they had this special way where they would, they, we just covered this on, on um, Sunday, John chapter 2. They had those pots sitting there, six pots, that were used for purification washing. And what it would be was a servant would have to pour the water. You would first hold your hands up like this. And they pour the water when they come from the, from the marketplaces or whatever. You get ready to eat. You go like this. And then you go like this. And you put them down and they wash them. And, and, and then they rub their hands together. And they, did, and they had to pour the water across their arms. And, and it was a special way because it made them special. Because people could see it. Listen to me. When you can see the performance... It's probably not God. If you have to perform, it's a hypocrite. We're going back to the word hypocrite with the mask. Here I am performing. Wash my hands. Wash my hands. This is what I do. This is how you do it. Now I'm clean. No, your heart is, is dirty. Your heart is filthy. And God's after the heart. Sure, you probably shouldn't walk up and grab bread with filthy hands. But it's not going to keep you from going to heaven. Unless... You listen to religious leaders and you begin to wash your hands in a real fa fancy special way and think that you're special because you do what everybody else does. Yeah, That'll like, keep you from going to heaven. Like the day Pastor David washed my feet at church. Huh. He thought he'd done something really great. <laughs> he didn't wash anybody else's feet like it says in the Bible. Huh. Or uh, one another didn't wash each other's feet. Yeah, yeah. I asked Pastor David, I suppose if he wanted me to, 
because I knew the Bible said so, and he said, it's not necessary. But if the Bible says so, then it's necessary. Well, the only thing that's necessary is Jesus. Oh, yeah. He washes us with his blood, uh -huh. and then we begin to obey him. Yeah. So, washing feet is a different subject than this special way that they were um, washing for show and for pomp. Um, notice nobody in the book of Acts washed feet. But I if it was special, if we needed didn't to tell wash, me to go ahead and do it. <laughs> right. If we needed to wash feet, then the disciples in the book of Acts would have been washing feet if that was the pattern. Uh, but that wasn't the pattern. He said, love one another as I have loved you yeah. was the point. Uh, and if somebody needed their feet washed, then that might be the thing to do. But to do that just for people to see you doing that would be, again, do as for I've show. It would be for show. Um, so let's get back on point here. They're following the tradition of the elders. And, and they listen, make no mistake, there's good tradition when it lines up with the Word of God. If you have tradition that is a dress code, if you have tradition that is something that man has written down, that's why we're interdenominational. Uh, we're not a denominational church. We're not opposed to any denominations. We're opposed to man-made rules that have been imposed upon people's lives that keep them from coming to God. It gets in the way because they're so special. And it's all over in the church that we would we like uh, people that's got an education with a good job uh, and, and their hands are washed and they look spiritual. Listen to me. You can have your hands washed. You can have an education. You can have on a nice suit. You can go to church like that, but you're not saved because of that. There's nothing in that or out of that. Those are not, unless, of course, it gets you to where you think you're special, then you miss God. So we got to be careful with all of this outward stuff. And this is what this is about. Jesus is saying, quit looking at the outward part and look at the inward part. Quit washing the outward part and thinking you're okay when you're not washing the inward part. And in church today, in culturality today, we tell people to say a prayer and they're okay. And all they're doing is an outward appearance. There's no work on washing the inside of the heart with the washing of the water through the word and learning to obey God practically to have the same position that you already have practically uh, in heaven. And so that is the evidence, again, of salvation. So verse 4, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. So there's a bunch of other rules. And Jesus is, you know, we're not going to sit here and, and enumerate them. And Jesus is not going to enumerate them. Mark is not going to enumerate them. There's just a lot of things that people do for outward appearance. And Jesus wants us to be inwardly pure. That's the second leg of the race if we've indeed come to the first. So verse 5, Then the Pharisees and scribes, watch what happens, ask him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? Notice what they did. 
Listen, because you have to be in the culture. Disciples were learners and pupils of the teacher. So they're actually accusing Jesus. They're actually accusing him because the disciples and learners will do exactly like their teacher. They will follow the teacher. They will do exactly what the teacher. See, we don't do that today, so we don't understand this culture. These men look for somebody to train them in religious things. They look for somebody to teach them in the law. And they would dedicate their lives to following that rabbi, to that teacher. So they're actually accusing Jesus of not teaching properly because their disciples are not. And that's what would happen if you would accuse a, a disciple of something. You're actually pointing back to the teacher. So when we are accused, they're actually pointing to God. When we are persecuted, they're actually persecuting God. When we are slandered, arrested, any of those things, they're actually attacking God. So when you see death culture going on in our society, it's actually attack on God. He's the one that created uh, uh, the planet. He's the one that created marriage. He's the one that created them male and female. He's the one that made marriage an institution, and he instructed on what marriage is. He instructed on family, what family is. He, that, so it's them they're attacking, or excuse me, it's him they're attacking. Even here, they're attacking Christ. It's not the disciples. It's the teacher. The teacher didn't teach them what the tradition of the elders taught. Why? Because he's teaching them the word of God. He's teaching them what the Bible says. When you see Jesus do something, what does he say? Here in a minute, he's going to say, it is written. He's going to point to scripture. He's going to point to the instruction. He's going to point to the intent of the, of the, of the scripture. And, and all they want to do is make up rules to make people follow so they can have power over. And then they can look like they're spiritual on the outside. But on the inside, they're ravenous wolves. They're just trying to get power and pomp and prestige and look like they're somebody that they're not. So in five, they ask the question, uh, and they really are accusing Jesus. That's the whole point. They're accusing Jesus. Why do they not walk? How come they're not occupied with the tradition, that's what it is, peripateo, to be occupied with, the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands. He answered and said to them, this is our memory verse, uh, well did Isaiah, Esaias, as Ray pointed out, it means Jehovah is salvation, Jehovah has saved, uh, prophesy, foretell. He wrote it down uh, in Isaiah 29, 13 uh, of you hypocrites. And I guess, as I said earlier, Jesus did call them hypocrites because he's using the scripture to point to their uh, uh, play acting, pretending uh, that they're doing. It's, a, it's an actor under an assumed character. To think about it, the character of a person is very important. And they are acting under an assumed character, acting to be spiritual. Why are you not washing? Why are you not clean? But in fact, Jesus, the Christ, knows their heart completely. And he's like, well, did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites? 
because he's seen what was in their heart. And then he points to scripture as it is written. Now see, they would have known this scripture. They would have known about it. They would have understood what he was talking about. This people, referring to any people, and he's talking about the Jews uh, or uh, the nation of Israel, honors, let's look at it one piece at a time, honoreth King James to prize, to fix a value upon, or to revere, reverencing God. It's a different word for honor than we had in John 5, 44. Uh, this people reveres me or reverences me, fixes a value upon. You know what? Here, think about this for a minute. To fix a value upon. If somebody ran in the door right now and said, there's a guy with a gun, he's coming in here, going to shoot us. We would have to fix a value upon that statement according to his character. So we'd have to decide whether to believe it. If we don't know him, now we've got to decide based upon his actions, his outer actions. If he sits down in the chair, we probably don't need to get up and run. But if he goes out this door, as he runs by us panting and screaming, we probably should follow him because his character is doing, the actions are doing what he's saying. See, you can't always believe somebody. Think about it. The climate change people. Screaming the planet's going to die while they fly a jet set around with their, their big engines and their jets and their private jets and everything. Or the people that want to tax the farts of, of cows or get rid of cows and stop eating meat. But I bet you they're even eating steaks on those planes that they're jet setting around. These people don't do what they say because they're, they're actually evil wolves trying to destroy and take over. They're, they're being led by the devil, and there's nothing good in that. And it's on, the, it's on both sides. It's all the government. It's not just one-sided. If it was one-sided, the other side would be fighting instead of standing around talking. So we see their character because all they do is talk about what they might do when they get in power. How many times have they been in power and they've done nothing else themselves? I'm sorry, I get a little bit loud about this. Our calling is as Christians to save souls. I'm not trying to save the United States. I'm not trying to save a government. I'm not trying to save a politician. I'm trying to save souls. And that's God's intent by sending his son. Not to save the, 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 the planet. He's going to burn it up. It's the souls that are going to go to be with him. Just as Ronnie's is right now. The souls that are going to be with him. That's what we're going to take to heaven with us, people. Nothing else. Your manners, your clean hands. You're going to get a brand new body when you get to heaven. We are taking nothing but souls with us. That's all this is about. And our soul first. And if we get caught up with the intent of the instruction, and it's about my hands need to be cleaner, I can't eat some bread... Listen, God's already designed the body to deal with germs. That's why it's nonsense when you say herd immunity is not real. It's nonsense. They know it's nonsense. But when you'll listen to their voice, they can convince you of anything. 
You listen to them long enough, they'll lead you around and control you and dominate you and lead you straight into hell because you're following their instruction instead of God's instruction that's been sent to instruct you in right living, righteousness. Think about it. When you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. Well, what does the word of God do? It instructs you in what righteousness looks like. Nobody else is doing that. Only the word of God in your personal love relationship. So you want to make sure, if you're righteous in Christ positionally, that you're learning the word of God and following the intent of the word of God in order to see the righteousness play out in your life. Walk out in your life. And as you do that, as you honor and obey him properly with your heart, what does it do? It washes and cleanses you. Think about how parasitic us people are. Mm. Like is every thought we think a God-honoring thought? Is every word that comes out of our mouth a God-honoring word? Huh. What's in the heart comes out the mouth. It should. Out of the abundance of the heart the yeah. mouth speaks, yeah. The overflow. Yeah. That's what we're getting at here. This people honors me with their lips. They speak it out of their face, but their heart is far from me. Where's your heart at today? Is it in the word, prayer, and fellowship? Is it looking to honor and obey? Are we looking to find out what is required of us, O oh man? Are we looking to find out what God saved us for? Are we trying to, to go out and look for souls? Go and make disciples. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go and make disciples. It's the only command that we've been given. Go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's identification. It's another eye. That's the sixth eye we talked about. Teach them to obey all that I commanded you. When the heart desires, has a direction, a desire to obey God, then it can be washed and cleansed. If we have no desire because we've been lied to and said, if you say a prayer, you're okay, now you don't have to desire to obey God. All you have to do is go do whatever you want and then come meet on Sunday and, and with your lips you sing, we love you, Lord. But the heart is thinking about what I'm going to do after I leave church. The heart is thinking about what I want to eat. The heart is thinking about, well, the pastor, look what he did and what he said. No, your heart is supposed to be fixed on worshiping God, honoring God. And this is what we're trying to learn to do. And when you give time to God, all of your time, when you give all of your life to God and you begin to get into the word, prayer, and fellowship and draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And he will wash and cleanse you. He will train you. He will teach you. He will instruct you in the way you're supposed to go. And then he'll convict you if the intent of your heart is wrong. And he'll correct you and move you forward with more instruction in righteousness as he conforms you into his image with the implanted word in your soul. And you change your desires. You change your life. You change everything. Mm -hmm. You cannot go with God unless you change the way you think. Think about it. Why would Paul say to the Romans, I beseech you, I urge you, I plead with you, considering the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable to God. That's set apart. See, we take that word holy and we change it. We make it look like, woo, I can't be holy. I can't be holy. All it means is set apart, hagios. Set apart, saying, I want to do your will, God. I want to be a sacrifice to you, God. I want to be on your altar, God. I want you to change me, God, because I have no ability to do it. Holy and acceptable. Why? Because we're in the beloved. That's the only reason we're acceptable, because of Jesus' sacrifice, because we believe it. Which is our reasonable. It's a reasonable thing that a Christian would do if they really believe that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. And do not, the Bible warns us, Paul's warning us through the power of the Holy Spirit, do not be conformed to this world. Don't keep listening to their voice. Don't keep listening to their talking points. Don't keep letting them get your heart and pull you this way and that way. But be transformed, metamorphos. See, positionally, we're already new creations. But this word is metamorphosed, where you're becoming a new creation. But if you keep listening to their voice and where they're pulling you and what they're doing, you're being conformed to them. But if you give your heart fully to God, he's capable of changing you into the new creation that you're already positionally given. But if you're not, then you have to question, am I even really positionally believing? Am I positionally saved? Because the power of the Holy Spirit comes in the Holy Spirit, God himself, lives in your house. So that should give us a desire to go and obey. So you're being transformed, how? By the renewing of the mind, so you may prove, you have an evidence of what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So it starts here. You have to decide, what am I going to listen to? What am I going to hear? What am I going to read? Who am I going to worship? Who am I going to obey? Am I going to listen to the world and their liars? And I'm telling you, you can't listen to the, to, the, to the news stations and think you're going to be okay. If you're listening to the news stations and watching what they're saying and what they're doing and all their pomp and all their lies, it'll confuse you to death. It'll lead you down the wrong path. It'll make you think because they're going, to, they're going to set it up just like they do on TV. It's reality TV. They've already set up the whole world with this reality TV movement that's been going on for how long? And now everything becomes reality that you watch on TV. It's got to be true. It's on TV. And it's all a lie. It's all a lie. Every bit of it. I wouldn't watch any of them unless you filter it with what the Bible says. Because let every man be known to be a liar and the Lord be truth. Every man is a liar. So it says that, that he wants your heart. And it can't just be hypocritical lips. Now listen, listen to me. I, I don't want you to freak out. Everybody makes a mistake. There's nobody that's perfect. There's nobody that's got a perfect heart. Yet. We're growing. We're being washed and cleansed with the water through the word. But do we have a desire to keep growing? Do we have a desire to keep wa being washed do we have a desire to follow God? Or do we just want to think that we can haphazardly keep living in the world, keep doing what the world is doing, keep saying, I said a prayer one day and I believed in Jesus. Well, how has it changed your life? How has it changed your desires? How has it changed your heart? How has it changed the direction that you have been projected as, a, as an arrow shot out? See, because now we're being shot out by God, not by confusion. 
And God sends his arrows specifically, his children, children are arrows, a full quiver is what God has. He sends his arrows out on missions, and he's called us to go on mission. He, he shot his arrow, Jesus, boy, did he get some stuff accomplished, huh? A name above all names. One day, every knee is going to bow to Jesus, to the praise of his glory. Listen to me. It can't just be with the lips, because it's easy to pretend. You get caught up in pretending, and it's easy to keep pretending. That's where we get the word hypocrite. These, these people, these stars in Hollywood, they're hypocrites. They, they, they have no life. They, they're fake. They're their last role that they played on the screen. They're not real people. They're fake. And yet we have people running around, following them, making them their heroes. And they're fake as a $3 bill. They don't have any real views that are worth listening to. So this people honors me. They revere me. They place, place, place a price upon me with their lips. We love you, Lord, but their heart is far from me. Heart is cardiac. It's the middle of them. Uh, it's figurative. Your, your mind, will, and emotion is your heart. It's your feelings. It, it, it's your thoughts, what you're thinking on. Uh, and it's far, which is forwards, uh, at a distance, a great way off. Isn't that interesting? This is Jesus saying it. This is God that says that. They are questioning God in the flesh. And they want God in the flesh to follow their rules, their traditions, instead of them following what God has said in his instruction. They've twisted the entire intent. See, even with the law, listen to me, listen, because we're going to see here in a minute, and I'm probably getting ahead of myself. Even with the law, the law, it instructed clean, unclean. The law, it instructed sacrifice, whether it was ceremony or whether it was for sin, whatever it was. It wasn't about the sacrifice. It wasn't about the law. It was about the heart of the person who would obey the law. It was always the provision of God. And then the person's heart decided whether they wanted to do the law or not do the law. So it was always about the heart of the person believing God, hearing his voice and doing what he said. It was not about the law itself, which is perfect, but it was about the heart that heard the law. It was about the heart that seen what they were supposed to do. What was the heart in the garden? Don't eat of these trees. And Eve listened to another voice and she ate of the trees. Oh, we getting really mad? No. See, the heart of Adam didn't protect his bride. The heart of Adam didn't do what he was supposed to be doing, who had the instruction from God. He knew the intent of God. He knew that he had fellowship with God, and he allowed her to still that was a test. follow the voice of a liar. That was a test, because after she was told not to eat of the fruit of the tree, then she listened to the serpent, and she ate of the fruit. And in vain they worshiped me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So notice this, um, the vanity of it. 
Worship is not uh, proskuneo. Worship here is sebo, S-E-B-O. It's a different word for worship. It means to revere. It means to adore, but it's a religious worship. It's a different way of worship. Vain means through the idea, listen to this, vain through the idea of tentative manipulation. Isn't that interesting? When you dress up or you throw some money in a tithe box or you do something that you think is a good work, you can't change God. You can't manipulate God. We can't do anything. It's only, de it's only deceiving ourselves. It's only deceiving yourselves. Strange fire. Strange fire. Mm -hmm. It only deceives ourselves. Because God's not confused. It's folly is what the word vain means. And it means to no purpose. See, if Jesus already perfectly died for us and perfectly gave the sacrifice, perfectly paid everything, we just need to be real with God. They teach doctrine. They teaching uh, uh, as doctrines. Uh, doctrine again is still the instruction, the function, and or the information. It's precepts. Now, pay attention because we're going to have a couple words here for commandments. Now, notice it says teaching uh, 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 as doctrines the commandments of men. In other words, they made them up. And it means an, a commandment means an injunction. It's, it's religious precept, but it's not from God. There can be religious precepts that are not from God. There's a lot of false religion on the planet. There's a lot of things that looks like it's religious, but it's not. So, um, again, I would encourage you to read Isaiah 29 and look at it. Uh, and now watch what they do with this. Uh, God is trying to give instruction to get us to see the intent of our heart so that we will repent and say that our intent is always to do evil. And without Jesus, we are going to, we're going to live against him without that positional uh, uh, or salvation and sanctification and glorification. They teach as doctrines. This is what you should be doing. This is the dress code. This is how you wash your hands. This is how you go to church. This is how you do it. You do two fast songs, three slow songs. And if you don't do it the way we do it at our church, then you need to go somewhere else. This is culturanity. It's not Christianity. But in fact, some, a lot of times people go, I'm a Christian. And that was actually a mockery when it was first out in Antioch. They were mocking these guys for being Christ-like. They were calling them little Christ. They were acting like Jesus. They were trying to mock them, but it was a great testimony, really, that they thought they acted like Jesus because they had been with Jesus. Yeah, it is. You're right. Now, watch what they do, because you, you he's going to give us some examples of this. Oh, my goodness. I could give you a whole bunch of examples of it, because we've, in the church, even destroyed marriage. In the church, we've destroyed marriage. We've flipped it upside down. We've stopped the man being the head. We've stopped the woman being the one who stays home and is the nurturer. We, we, we turn divorce into something that's easily done when God hates divorce. And, and if you are divorced or been divorced, you should actually know if God hates that, then you should repent of that. That's something that should be done is repentance because we should repent of sin. 
And so what happens even in the church, the church is adopting the culture. They're making up commandments and they're making up rules. We talked about this a few weeks ago where Rick Warren is ordaining women and making up his own rules and making the word of God of no effect. When the Bible says that a woman is never to usurp leadership over a man. Isn't that what happened? Think about this. I just, I, I'm not picking, uh, again, I'm not picking on women. What we're doing is looking at what the devil does when he puts the woman out front. What happened in the garden? Adam and Eve. Eve made the decision because Adam wouldn't lead. What happened when you get to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Abraham wouldn't lead, wouldn't wait. Now you go, oh, he's picking on the patriarchs. And Sarah said, take Hagar, my handmaid, and have a child. And, and he listened to his wife instead of waiting on God. Right? Well, what happened with Isaac? Isaac's wife allowed one son to deceive the other son when, when Isaac was sitting down his wife came up with this plan to deceive one son and steal the birthright because Isaac wasn't leading. But what happened with Jacob? Jacob gets deceived into getting two wives. And then they're battling over Jacob instead of him leading his house. You can see it happen and it destroys homes. It destroys lives, and the devil wants it to be upside down and twist everything that God has designed, and it all goes back to Genesis where you want to find what God designed, and you'll see that they're trying to destroy everything that God said. That's all they're trying to do because it's the devil leading it all, even if they don't know they're worshiping the devil. Some of them know they're worshiping the devil. Some of them know what they're doing. Some of them are bowing down to the devil, looking for power, and pomp and prestige. But I'm looking for the voice of God to follow God. And I said I wasn't going to teach all of this stuff. But we adopted into the church. The church is ad adopting CRT. You know, there's neither black or white. Slave nor free. People always make mistakes. Sin is the problem, not skin. I can talk about this for hours and hours and hours. The things that we adopt into the church instead of just teaching the word of God and telling people to repent and turn from their sin and allow God to wash and cleanse their heart. Don't just dress up with clothes, but your heart is what's important. What comes out of your heart when you speak? When you speak, do you want to talk about the word of God? If you're not talking about the word of God to people and concerned about their souls, then maybe you're not in the Word of God. You're not learning the Word of God. You're not having a relationship with God. Maybe we're just honoring with our lips and our heart is far from God, which is easy to do. But what do they do? Look, verse 8, he tells us what they do. He tells us the progression. They lay aside the commandment of God. Listen, I don't understand the Bible. Well, here's a good book. You want to read it? They lay aside the commandment. Now, here's a different word for commandment. This is an authoritative prescription. See, the commandment up here was just man's religious. The first one, commandments, the doctrine commandments of men, it was an injunction. 
You guys ever hear that word? We only hear that word in the court system. Now, I'm going to go get an injunction and make them stop that. Then legally, the law can make something stop with an injunction. So now here's the religious rulers. They're trying to make people do stuff with their injunction. Because they have rule over them. Did you know, guys, did you know this? I heard this yesterday, and I'm always amazed by this. Because they want to tell you, now they're a bunch of liars. They want to tell you that we're getting smarter and betterer. And that we're doing all these things. Do you know that in the 1820s that they taught the Constitution in grade school? In the 1820s, they taught the concept of the Constitution, this document that we can't even read today. We go, what in the world is that saying? A document that we don't even teach to pass the bar today in America. Uh, you can pass the bar with a bunch of nonsense and be a lawyer, but you don't have to know the Constitution. Oh, you might have to know a couple articles and a couple things. You know, those that apply to whatever law you're studying. If you're studying civil law, there's certain ones. And then the other ones are criminal law. But they used to teach it to grade school children. Because it's important to know the Constitution. But what about the Bible? Oh, Greg, they taught that in every single school. In fact, that was first. It was actually in every different reader. Every book, no matter what it was teaching, would say because God said, and it would give scripture. Even the dictionaries had scripture that was written as the sentence examples and how to use the word. But if you listen to these people that are in charge of death culture, they'll tell you, oh no, this was a pagan country, burnt on radicalism. They're a bunch of racists. My goodness. I digress. Let's go back. So this word commandments, they lay aside. It means to forsake, to leave alone, to omit, to send away. That's what laying aside means. The commandment of God, which is his injunction. It's an authoritative prescription. See, so who are you going to listen to? The, the early disciples said, you decide, you ruling authorities. Should we listen to God's injunction or your injunction? Should we listen to God or you when you tell us not to preach anymore in this name? See, that was God's commandment, his injunction, his authoritative prescription. That's what the word means. They lay aside God's authoritative prescription, and they follow man's prescription. Or wait a minute, you hold the tradition of men. Uh, that's man's commandments. The washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. Uh, he said to them, is yours in red? He said, to, I just wanted to make sure. It's, these are the red letters. This is Jesus speaking when it says he. I wish they wouldn't use pronouns. See, if I was the interpreter, I would write, Jesus said to them. That way you never lose track of who's speaking. You never want to lose track of who's speaking. Jesus said to them, all too well, they laid it aside. What happens when you lay it aside? You start laying it aside. You start following what man says. You start reading their books. You start following their sermons. And you don't have a personal relationship. What do you do next, right? You reject the commandment of God. The authoritative prescription. 
because it feels good to follow what man is saying. Their rules and their laws, it's easy to pretend. Let's just follow the dress code. Let's just show up. Let's just give 10%. And I feel good about myself. I feel pious. I feel like I've done it. I've been somewhere. I went on a mission trip. I fed somebody at the food bank. I'm following man's injunction instead of God's, and I feel okay. Listen to me. Very important. Because if you lay aside God's authoritative prescription, the next thing that happens is, is you reject it. And reject is this, to set it aside, to disesteem it. Oh, here's one, to neutralize it. Then you violate it. You cast it off. You bring it to naught, to nothing. I've never heard the word injection before. I, I mean, other than the saw. Uh, yeah. And... Uh, that's injection. Oh, yeah. What We're talking say? about an injunction. Injunction, yes. And uh, is, this, that, is that a cousin to uh, petticoat injection? Huh. <laughs> no, it's pretty serious because it's the, yeah. it's the word of God. You remember that show, don't you? I, I certainly do. It's pretty huh. serious, though, because it's the word of God. Yeah. Um, and... It has, it's an injunction, and I'm going to get you the definition to it. If I can find my Noah Webster's 1828. How come I can't find that, honey? There it is. Um, I will get you right now exactly what it means so that you'll understand the seriousness of it. it, it I know you're joking, but it's, it's a serious word. Uh-oh, uh it's not even letting me get it. Are you serious? See, they don't even have it. I can't get no. They have like injection like you wanted. That's what the world wants us to get is instead of the authoritative prescription of God's commandment, they want us to get an injection, not the injunction. They want us to get injections and more medication and more medication. So look, they lay it aside and then you reject the authoritative prescription of God. You reject it. You bring it to nothing because you don't understand the instructions intent. Everything is always to receive the heart and to bring evidence of whether your heart is to obey God or disobey God. If your heart is to listen to another voice and you have a double-mindedness where you want to just follow whatever feels good at the moment, that's not surrendered to God. That's not salvation. And then he's going to give us an example. He says, you lay it aside, you reject it, and then he's going to show us how they make the word of God to no effect. Let's watch. He gives us this example. Uh, verse 9, he said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Verse 10, for Moses said, now Moses, this is the law, they honor Moses, honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, notice the difference. The word of God says, the law says, but man says, tradition says, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corban, that is, definition, a gift of God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother, making the word of God of no effect through your own tradition 
which you have handed down, and many such things you do. He doesn't give them any more examples, but he gave them the way they did it. You lay it aside, you reject it, and then you make it of no effect. Well, how did they do that, Greg? Well, listen, and you can go look at it. Numbers 30 and 2 says, if you make a vow to God, you have to keep that vow. So what they would do, well, Corbin is, Corbin is actually thought to be the name of the treasury. It's making a gift to the temple. It's making a gift to the treasury. It's something that you're dedicating to God. Let's see. Um, consecrated offering to the temple fund to the treasury itself. And they think that the, the treasury or the box or the room was called Corbin. Um, and it says it's a gift to God. So you were supposed to take care of your parents. You were supposed to use your resources to protect your parents when they got older and take care of them. But if you said this is Corbin, now it's been dedicated to God. It has to be given to God, and you never have to use it to give it to your parents and take care of your parents. So you make honoring your father and your mother of no effect. You make, and so it actually changes the word of God where God says to honor them, take care of them, protect them, provide for them in their older age. But we don't do that in America, do we? Oh, I have been. <laughs> but so they make the word of God of honoring the father and the mother of no effect by saying, I'm going to give all this money to you, God, in the future. It's all for you. Have you ever seen somebody do that? I'm working this overtime so I can tithe more. It's all for you, God. I just want to make more money so I can tithe more. I'm investing in this business. I'm doing this. I'm cheating on my taxes so I can give more to you, God. And it's all false. It's all deception. It's all something that makes the word of God and honoring, obeying God and your heart washed and cleansed to no effect. Because you've laid aside, you've rejected, and there's no effect on you when you read the word of God. Now, he just said that to all of them, didn't he? Everybody's listening. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear me, everyone, and understand. There is nothing that enters a man from the outside which can defile him. See, they took the intent of God, or the instruction of God's word and they changed the intent. You can't eat bread unless you wash your hands or you'll be defiled. They're talking physical and spiritual and Jesus is talking spiritual. Jesus came to save souls and they want to confuse physical and spiritual together. Nothing. How much is nothing? Listen, if you want to know the truth, if... Uh, uh, <laughs> We're already defiled. We're born defiled. Of ourselves, we are completely defiled. Without the blood of Jesus, we're dead men. But the thing which comes out of him, those are the things that defile a man. It's what you say. It's the actions that you do. It's how you live. It's your character. It's your integrity. If anyone has an ear to hear, let him hear. Now notice Jesus is speaking. So he doesn't have to say right now what the Spirit says to the church. We'll see that later when it says, if anyone has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's what other people are saying. But Jesus is one with the Spirit. Jesus is one with the Father. He doesn't have to say, my Father said. 
when you're hearing him and you're seeing him, Thomas, you're seeing the Father. Have I been with you so long and you have not known me? So he doesn't have to say that. But one of the other disciples, they'll say, hear what the Spirit says to the church. 17. When he had entered, now what, is, what was he doing? He's separating. These people are accusing him. These people are trying to cause problems. These people are, are, are falsely uh, uh, honoring him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him, and they're vainly worshiping him. They don't want to hear the truth. They, want, they don't want to hear the truth. They want to force their religious practice upon Jesus. So what's he do? He calls the multitude. He makes sure they hear exactly what he said. That's what he's doing today in the world. He's calling the multitude, the whole world, and he makes sure that everybody hears his witness. He says, hear. But hearing is not just, oh, I heard it in my ear. It's hearing with the intent and the heart to obey. And then what does he do, Greg? 17, he moves away further. He gets away from the crowd because he's separating. He's, he, he's came to bring a sword. He's not bringing everything together like we see in the world today. That everybody come together. Let's all have one big party. And, and we're all together inclusive. Jesus is separated because following truth and having your heart changed and being like God separates you from those who reject God and are involved in death culture. When he entered a house away from the crowd, see, he pulled away. He entered the house. Is it your house? Is it your heart? That's where he enters. His disciples, his learners, his pupils, those that were being used as an example of what not to do, don't do that. Don't eat bread with unwashed hands. They said, we need to know what's going on here. We're not really understanding. So they draw nearer to what's going on and just ask the question when they're withdrawn. And they ask him concerning the parable. Oh, this was a parable? This was a parable? What was of course, parable? it's all about the heart. What was a parable? Was the, it? the parable was was when he was talking about. Yeah, I know what it says, but well, um, I'm a asking parable what is a story. De define the define the parable. Parable is a spiritual truth told in a story laid alongside to protect the hearers. So if they don't want to hear it, it doesn't harden their heart. Okay. It's something laid alongside. But if you're if you're a believer and a follower and one that wants to know the truth, you'll say, "What's going on, Lord? I need help." And he'll teach you. I was, so thinking ask, it, I was thinking it's an example. No. It's a story laid alongside that tells a much bigger spiritual truth. Yeah. And so he, they ask him concerning the truth of what he was saying. So he said to them, listen, and he'll always tell you if you draw near. Are you thus without understanding? Don't you comprehend what I was saying? <laughs> Also, see, because he already said they were, do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from the outside cannot defile him? Listen closely. See, he's talking, they're, they're talking about food defiling somebody, and he's talking about your heart defiling you. Watch. Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from the outside cannot defile him because it does not enter his heart? Oh, is that the subject? Is that the parable? What you put in your heart, it does not enter his heart, but his stomach and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. When it's eliminated, everything that was bad in that food goes away. It goes out of your stomach. It leaves your bowels. No. It's flushed down the toto, the toilet. 
And he said, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. It's out of the abundance of the heart. For from within one, for, excuse me, uh, for from within, out of the heart of men, from within. It's already there. See, we're born defiled. We're born with bad hearts. They have to be washed and cleansed. They can only be saved by the blood of Jesus. But if they are saved by the blood of Jesus, when you come to Jesus, you're going to go, man, I'm still a wretch. He said I was a new creation, but I'm still a wretch. I still think evil thoughts. I still want to do that. Lord, take that from me. And that's the practical sanctification of having your heart washed and cleansed when you learn uh, the intent of his instruction and you're wanting to be conformed into his image and you receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. But receiving it means you're wanting to do it and honor it and worship him properly. From, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed. This is what comes out. Evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. They're not from without. They're from within. And so thus we have to understand that we're born defiled. Our hearts are far from God. And when we come to God, it's so that we can re be washed and cleansed and changed. But if we're still listening to the world and its schools and its ideology and its voice and all the concourses in the marketplace that says, turn in here if you want to be special. Turn in here if you want to be famous. Turn in here if you want to be honored. Turn in here if you want to be the boss. Turn in here if you want this. What does it gain a man to, 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 to win the whole world and lose his own soul? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Why are we looking for the honor that comes from men and not the honor that comes from God only? That was our previous verse, by the way. It's John 5, 44. How can you believe you who seek the honor of one another and not the honor who comes from God only? Listen. That's what we're supposed to be seeking. And that honor only comes when he lifts you up. See, he's the one. When you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he will lift you up. When you say, listen, I know that my heart is defiled and it can only be changed by the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit of promise. It can only be changed as I get into the word, prayer, and fellowship and the Holy Spirit teaches me to obey, to have a desire to obey. And as you cry out in a personal love relationship and all of us should be doing it because nobody has arrived we're all works in progress. We're God's workmanship, his poema, created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. Peripateo, that's our general walk. We should not be concerned about somebody not washing their hands like these Pharisees were, like these hypocrites were. Is it important? Yes. If you're at a potluck, you should probably wash your hands before you eat because there's other people that's going to be offended by it. 
but it will not keep you from going to heaven to have dirty hands. If your heart is dirty and you keep ignoring God's word, ignoring God's calling, ignoring what he wants to do, that'll keep you from going to heaven. When you resist the work of the Holy Spirit, when you quench the work of the Holy Spirit, when you lie to the Holy Spirit, when you re lay aside God's commandment and reject God's commandment and then make it of no effect, it would do us well to get into the word, prayer, and fellowship like the early church did and find out what God requires and begin to obey him. He desires uh, mercy. from the inmost parts. And that's what he's bestowed upon us, is mercy. Oh, next week's scripture. The memory verse. I almost started praying and was reminded. Next week's scripture is Proverbs. We're going back to Proverbs, people. Proverbs 28.4. 28.4 Listen Those who forsake the law Praise the wicked But such as keep the law Contend with them Listen to me If you forsake the law You cast it off You lay it aside You reject the word of God Did you say You're praising the wicked 28.4 Okay That's what I thought I heard We want to learn to how to, to obey sure God that. We're not going to get cast into hell for disobeying God at this juncture if our heart is wanting to obey God because we all fall short of the glory of God. Jesus already took our punishment and then he gave us the Holy Spirit so we can have power to overcome sin in our life and we can walk out his desires and not our desires. We can say no if we will draw near and listen and be washed and cleansed. And then one day we can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. And um, forgive me for my many words, Lord. And we pray that your people would desire to have a love relationship with you. It would not be lip service, but it would be laying our hearts out at your throne room before you coming boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Lord, we are living in perilous times. It is a time of need. So we cry out to you and we ask you to wash us and cleanse us and give us a desire to go to all nations. Give us a desire to tell others. And if you be lifted up, we know that you will draw all men to yourself. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you.